0: Welcome to Share Public Health, the Midwestern Public Health Training Center's podcast, connecting you to public health topics, issues, and colleagues throughout our region and the country, highlighting that we all share in public health. Thank you for tuning into this series, where we explore the benefits of strong partnerships between public health departments and public libraries. This project is a partnership with the network of the National Library of Medicine Greater Midwest Region, the Public Library Association, the Prevention Research Center for Rural Health, and the Midwestern Public Health Training Center. We're so happy you're listening and learning along with us. Hi, my name is Trish Hull. I'm the Library Manager of the Kearns Branch of the Salt Lake County Library System. I am also very involved in public health and sit on the Utah Health Literacy Coalition. Today, we are joined by a group of public health and public library professionals from the state of Iowa. Welcome all, and thank you so much for joining us.
1: Hi, I'm Angie doyle Scar. I work for the state health department. Um, I've been there for going on 20 years and I've done everything from um, health policy, the AC, that involved the ACA, um, outreach, um, stakeholder engagement, all kinds of different variety of work there at the health department.
2: And this is Abby Less, also with the Iowa Department of Public Health. Um, we are in the Bureau of Policy and Workforce Services. Again, like Angie said, special projects, all sorts of different things.
3: Hi, I'm Mary Murphy. I'm the Library Director at the Perry Public Library in Perry, Iowa. I've been here for 10 years and we have uh, been fortunate enough to be selected for this pilot project.
4: I'm Todd Simonson. I'm the Public Service Manager with the Cedar Rapids Public Library. We were fortunate to be the urban portion selection for this grant and, uh, and really, I work with a lot of the projects that we did. So that's why I was selected to represent.
0: Angie and Abby, what was the motivation behind this project?
1: And Abby, please jump in because Abby does really good with the details. Um, So our former director, Garrett Claybaugh, um, was interested in applying for a federal grant that addressed with social determinants of health. Um, That grant actually has not opened back up. This was just us being proactive of when and if it did. Um, So he convened a small group of people at the department to start brainstorming ideas. Um, I have a love for public health, hence why I've been working there for nearly 20 years and for libraries. I spent a lot of time in libraries as a child and it's always been um, a near dear to me. So I one day came up with the idea trying to see how we could um, get these two to partner and do more on community and communities to work together. So I brought the idea to um, Abby. She thought it was great We did some environmental scans of what was happening in other places, and we could only find a handful of places in the country. So we really did just um, start to brainstorm how this would look and what this would look like. Um, We took it to the small group, our director, um, and they said, if you can um, find funding, go forth. So we applied for a Telligent grant and Abby, you can help me here, please. <laughs>
2: sure. so the funding we applied for was through the TELIGEN Community Initiative. Um, their mission is to initiate and support innovative and forward-looking health-related projects aimed at improving health and social, addressing social determinants of health. So the project we applied for um, was called Harnessing the Power of Iowa's Libraries. It was initially supposed to be a one-year project Um, But due to COVID, we got a six-month extension. Um, IADPH's project was one of 18 grants selected for the 2019 grant cycle. So it's a highly competitive grant. Um, We were awarded $50,000 and split that between the two pilots in Cedar Rapids and Perry. Um, The project... Um, goal is to support and equip Iowa's libraries with the tools, resources, and programs to collaboratively address social determinants of health gaps and improve um, population health. So the two um, pilot project sites are working with their local public health agencies um, to um, execute the project.
0: Do you know much about the other projects that were selected for this grant at the same time as you? or were there any similar projects at the same time?
1: So Um, one of the focuses is social determinants of health with Telogen, but nothing on these lines, no. Yes,
2: this is the only project that I'm aware of through Telogen, that grant cycle that was focused on partnering libraries and public health. I think there were maybe a couple in the past, but I didn't see any this year, that year.
1: And we understand that every community in Iowa looks different and the way that the two organizations will collaborate will look different. And that's why we really try to pick a more urban and more rural so that they could be duplicated statewide um, later in the future. And these two... communities were picked because of another grant work we did where um, our local public health did a really good job in engaging non-traditional partners in their communities. So we built off the work that they had already started.
2: And then one thing I will emphasize is that this project is truly community driven. Um, We you know secured the funding and are here at the state level to support and guide but really they came together at the local level with their local public health agencies and. Thought, thoughtfully about what their community needed and what their library patrons were asking for. Um, one of the initial steps was to review their um, community health needs assessment um, that that's done every five years in every county in Iowa um, to give a starting point to see what the top priority needs are in their community to offer those additional services within the library.
1: And Abby and I did site visits at the very beginning. And one of the things that um, was clear to me when we did those site visits is both these hospitals are, I mean, hospitals, sorry, both these libraries um, got it and they were already doing some public health activities within their library, even if they didn't know to call it public health. So for instance, Mary and Perry was um, checking out bicycles. Um, I know that Cedar Rapids has treadmills in their reading areas. So they were already um, implementing some of the things that we would consider public health, even though I don't know that they would know, and they can speak to this, um, but they would know to call that public health. So then really we just were there, um, even our local public health, to support some of the ideas that they were already starting to work on.
0: Mary, why were you interested in this project for your community and organization? Roughly around
3: um, 800 in population. Uh, hopefully, cross your fingers, Are our- population increased with the latest census, um, it was ironic because um, we had formed a committee of interested parties from the hospital, from the rec center, uh, from Hispanics United for Perry and the library uh, about concerned citizens for uh, health initiatives and we were toying with this idea because I was aware of the Telogen grant also and um, I had talked to um, them um, at Telogen about uh, what we could do as a community and through the LOI that I had letter of interest that I had um, issued to Telogen we were then um, turned down for um, a grant. Um, I think it's uh, something that you um, work and define and refine um, uh, what your goals are. Uh, but we wanted to do something um, to, how should I say, um, uh, raise awareness of healthy, healthy um, habits. Um, and, uh, some of these healthy habits could be reinforced by, um, you know, uh, walking, um, eating better. And anyway, um, about when we were turned down about, oh, it wasn't a month or six weeks later that Abby and Angie contacted me about doing this. And so it was meant to be. Um, and so I, I, was like, oh my gosh, when one door closes, you know, another one opens. And, um, uh, Abigail Shehock from Dallas County Health Department and I and Angie and Abby met together and, um, we were all on the same page about using the library as this, um, point of, um, initiation of programs, um, Highlighting health and how we can increase um, increase awareness and also have um, early adoption of good health habits. Um, so that's how I became a partner. Um, we in Perry have about um, I just wrote another uh, statement of need. I believe it's around sixty um, percent Latino in our high high schools uh, and all in the school district. Um, So we have a very diverse population here, not only Latinos, but other countries. We have a Tyson plant here in Perry, and that draws from worlds all over the world. Uh, So um, it's kind of cool because we have restaurants from all those places too here in Perry, and um, you meet a lot of people from all over the world. Uh, we um, uh, were brainstormed about what we could do to um, with this grant money uh, and what we can sustain in the future uh, with our what we have as staff here at the library.
0: Todd, why were you interested in this project for your community and organization?
4: So Cedar Rapids uh, is about a hundred and Thirty-five thousand people, I think. Um, that's one of the most recent estimates I have. We we have two branches. We have our main library downtown, um, and then we have a branch library called the Lab Library, and that serves the residents of our uh, southwest side of Cedar Rapids. We're also pretty unique. Um, we have a cl- partnership, so with Marion, Hiawatha and we call ourselves the Metro Library Network. Um, and we do a lot of services, circulating materials between all three branches, working together very close. And that really covers the, the north and northeast sides of uh, Cedar Rapids area. So this project wasn't um, done with Marion and Hiawatha necessarily, but we do have kind of that schematic to work with. Um, really echoing with Mary, we were, when we first got a call to request, we were excited. We started brainstorming, came up with a list of a thousand ideas. Um, we met with county public health department, with Lynn County Public Health, and with ENG. but really we started generating the ideas and And I'll say, I know we'll talk about the projects later, but we really focused on what was the need of our entire community. Um, We have a larger homeless population in Cedar Rapids and probably most of the rest of the state has. And so that's something uh, that we focused. We're very, our, our programming department's very successful. We have a lot of family input. So... Um, Really taking the focus of continuing uh, programs, continuing support for people of all ages, um, for our families, but then looking at how can we target our uh, underserved uh, parents or families, so we saw a large need there. Um, the other population that we see a lot of is the senior citizen age, um, and so really that was a focus group that uh, we took into consideration. Um, so we met, in, uh, we met together, started brainstorming, and I'll echo kind of what Angie and Mary have said, that really the great thing about this is it's formed a great working relationship with Lynn County Public Health. Um, I know since this project, we've worked with them, um, in other areas. And really it's just, it's nice to know the contact. I think if you ask Lynn County public health, if you ask library staff, um, we're in a position where we want to help people, but sometimes time gets the better of us. And so it's not knowing who to... Uh, Who your go-to person is in that time and not knowing can kind of get in the way. But since this grant, we've partnered with Lynn County Public Health on a a variety of other issues to best support our community. So that's been really a a great thing we've seen.
0: Mary, what are some projects your library has been involved with in partnership with public health that you're excited about? The first one that we initiated was the Fresh Fruit and
3: Vegetable Recovery Rescue. And we're in a um, town with two grocery stores. Um, at Well, actually two um, Anglo grocery stores and two Latino grocery stores, so four all together. And what Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Recovery is all about is, rescuing the fresh fruit and vegetables and the produce section of the grocery stores before they're put in the dumpster. They're, um, by law, they are only allowed to, uh, put out, um, uh, let's say lettuce for a certain amount of days, but they, at the end of the, those days, there is still some nutritional value in the lettuce. And so it can be put, uh, rescued, um, and made available to people and, um, people can eat more healthy. Um, I was astounded by the statistics that over 50% of the fruit and vegetables that you see in the grocery store are wasted. Um, and that's a low figure. Some people say it's as high as 80%. Um, so, uh, I talked to the managers, the, the the joy of living in a small community or being partners in a small community is that you know everybody. So I talked to the managers of the local stores, and um, they were all for it. Um, I had help with Stephen Williams, Stephen Williams from um, Eat Greater Des Moines, and he helped me a lot get it all set up. Uh, we bought a refrigerator, um, a commercial one that's in our lobby. Uh, And I know this wouldn't work for a lot of communities because other partners or other people or entities are doing it in their communities when you get to larger communities. But um, it worked very successful for us. We had a driver um, pick up the um, fresh fruit and vegetables, bring it to the library, drop it off. Uh, And when we opened at 10, people would come in. We did it on a first come, first serve basis. And then um the it was magnificent because they would all the fresh fruit and vegetables would disappear by five o'clock so they would be in the hands of people who could take advantage of these in their diets Uh, i i was astounded that people that i had never seen were coming into the library to take advantage of the program we also did um a story walk and I just wanted to address something that Angie had said, that um, great ideas get disseminated very quickly. And I've got to say, there's a story walk revolution going across Iowa right now. Um, I had—I um, was in a meeting, let's see, um, last Friday, and then last, a week ago, Tuesday, um, where I was disseminating information about story walks. Um, and the StoryWalk we, we have, um, the stations are not watertight. And so we have to laminate everything. Well, Iowa Prison Industries have solved this problem. And now they have watertight stations that you can put your um, pages in from StoryBooks, um, which solves a lot of lamination problems. Uh, But I can tell you that uh, it is becoming such a popular program because people like it. Um, We have gotten such great feedback from our community about the Story Walk, not just families, but um, the one that I had cited before was someone um, that took her mom through the park. And we have this beautiful park in Perry called Weiss Park, and it has a 10-foot wide flat submit um, path. And she takes her mom in a wheelchair around to the book um, when she walks with her mom. And it's one of those special things to do with mom. Um, and she said they both really, really enjoy the books. And we have been changing the books about once a month. So I would say that that um, was is success success um, it's a permanent story walk we're actually thinking about putting a mini story walk around the library so when they when kids or anybody comes to the library they just walk around the perimeter of the library and enjoy a small story walk um, we are doing healthy cooking classes um, just giving people an idea of how to be more healthy
1: and, um, among other things, I don't know how long you want me to go. Mary, how did the prison industries get engaged in this to be able to assist? Well, Iowa Prison Industries makes
3: furniture. I didn't know right? if you knew this. Okay. Um, but um, about, was it six, eight weeks ago, Um, things come across my email and I uh, we actually look into Iowa Prison Industries making a circulation desk for us and so we are on their um, email list and I saw that um, they were um, selling these um, story walk stations which are probably 18 by 24 and when it said weatherproof I was just like Oh my gosh, that's something that Barking Dog out of Vermont um, uh, doesn't, you know, ours don't have. And so we have to laminate every piece. Um, So it's wonderful. uh, Thank you, Mary. Yeah. So yes, it's those little tidbits of information that makes it so much easier for the next person to do it.
1: That's right. That's right. And that's what this project is all about. Thank you. You're welcome.
0: The story walk sounds like such a great idea during the pandemic, because it is another way to engage with the library in a COVID-safe way.
3: I wanted to actually, um, when I kicked it off, to have a um, story time featured there, an outdoor story time. Well, that didn't happen. <laughs> so, so we took pictures and we publicized it, but people are using it and they, they are intrigued. Yes.
0: As Angie said earlier, Mary, you all have been doing some health-related programming for a while. How did the support from IDPH and the input from Dallas County Public Health change or strengthen the work you were doing? It um, actually gave me
3: more of a um, push to uh, address those needs. Um, I think libraries um, have partnered with different entities in their their community, um, one of the partners that we owe, we uh, have successfully gone is with the school, and um, I'm working on little free libraries with the, on the school grounds, um, and disseminating lots or distributing lots of books um, to, you know, the free and reduced lunch crowd. Um, We did this last year during the pandemic when the schools were closed and handed out lots of books. Um, And I have uh, partnered with um, the instructional part of um, the outreach of the Dallas County Hospital on several things. Classes, Tai Chi classes, um, uh, raising awareness about diabetes because of our Latino population. It's more prevalent in um, Latinos. Uh, it's it's more successful the more partners that you have and the more buy-in that you have from your partners and their audience. Um, so everybody brings something to the table in the partnership. Um, so I... We are the first ones in this area to have bicycles Um, and I really like that a person could come in the library, check out a helmet, um, a bicycle and take it for the day. Uh, It's, I can't say that they're checked out every single day because we have, it's a bicycle community. If you know anything about Perry, we're on the bicycle trail, Um, we have a bicycle shop, Uh, it's It's a bicycle community, but people who uh, visit the community and um, their host wants to uh, go on a bicycle ride, um, they can check out bicycles. We have four of them
0: that are, you just have to be above 18. That's great. Thanks, Mary. Todd, I'll turn it over to you to talk in detail about some of the programs your library has implemented.
4: Sure. So... Uh, the first program I want to talk about it, it was called the service support navigator um, position and really one of the a trend we were seeing is we had a growing um, a growing population that was socioeconomic disadvantaged um, either homeless or uh really struggling financially to um, get a lot of the health services they needed and with that we saw some an increase in behavior trends and really um, those behavior trends typically a library has a bad behavior and remove the patron call the police that's we were seeing an increase in that and it, it temporarily put a bandaid on the problem, but it wasn't a, a permanent solution. So with this position, we partnered with a local um, homeless agency, the Willis Stady Homeless Agency, and we contracted a position and used uh, part of this grant to supplement that contract. Um, And really the benefit of it was we brought in a person uh, whose main job was to work with this underserved population to uh, find out the root needs of what were causing issues, where they're lacking services, um, and really uh, focus on getting help and resources to that group of people um, that we just weren't having um, an outreach on being a government facility. So we've seen great increase in that. Um, Really it dropped the calls to the police. Um, Part of it was staff training, um, developing a service model, but really what we've seen is people have gotten access to resources it can be going to the doctors going to the hospital um, getting food where do I get a healthy meal uh, finding housing so that they aren't temper or permanently displaced and really working with people to make sure their health needs are met um, and as a result of that like I said we've seen a huge increase a, a huge success at the library that Um, We haven't had as many uh, behavior issues with individuals and really that connection is built. So if there is a bad day, people know there's someone there to help me. Um, So that's been a huge success that we've seen. It's been very well supported in the community. Um, One of the benefits, I think Mary kind of talked about this is, continuing to build partners, Um, this program really, uh, I think it brought some issues to the forefront that we've had, we've been able to expand off it. So during the summer, we have a ambassador program um, and that really, it, it employs people who used to face homelessness Um, to make sure that it's not just people coming into the library, but it's people across our community that need resources and they're getting access to the resources. Um, It's brought together local organizations. Um, This year was the first year that we implemented a permanent day shelter. Um, So we had night overflow shelters, Um, that were at capacity but really during the day what were we doing with people who didn't have a place to go especially during the winter when it's cold and really um, I think that's a success that it's brought together a lot of other local partners to where we're addressing issues that might have been ignored prior to that so that's the main program I'm proud of that we did. We also, uh, like Mary, um, we focused on healthy cooking and really we had a great plan in place, but then the pandemic hit and it turned our programming, um, it, it limited to doing in-person programming. So we had to take an approach how to tie it in with our new, with the reality of COVID and, we went to virtual programming. Uh, We were able to implement that into our summer reading program. Um, And and really to our, I guess one of the successes we saw there was if we had an in-person programming, you could judge 50 to 100 people as being a really successful program. Um, The virtual programs had views of 1,000 to 2,000 people per program. So we just had a significant outreach in that aspect. Um, and we were able to work to modify that. And then really the other program that we focused on, um, was circulating fitness kits. And so, uh, Really, our intent there was there's all of these, we realize the importance of health, but there's sometimes, if somebody's on a limited budget, um, it, it's not as easy to go out and say, get a, get a yoga mat and do yoga. That's going to be your go-to. Um, so really, the intent was we have some of these materials for people to try to see uh, see how they could improve health and fitness in their lifestyle. And the hope there is if they did see something that was really good, it worked well for them, that they would then, um, be able to have tried it out. So they know what would be effective and really help them to save, to go get that equipment if they continued. Um, The other thing I'll touch on, and this was with the pandemic and with, uh, the derecho that came through, we weren't able to get a a fourth program we wanted, but I, I think this is a great example of the partnership is, uh, we were looking at doing something with a raising a reader program. So really focusing on people that, um, showing expecting parents, mothers, the importance of literature, even before they gave birth. Um, Our whole focus when we initially were talking about that program was focusing on our entire community and really promoting the importance of literacy. Um, Just through working through the partnership that we got with Lynn County Public Health, I think they really brought another element to the table, and so uh, they had great data that they brought that said really um, infant mortality rates is high amongst a certain uh, underrepresented population within our community, and that was uh, that was lower social economic um, African American expecting mothers who didn't have a high school education. And so we were able to see that and say, okay, um, really how can we use our existing Raising a Reader, reader program? And, and how can we expand that to show, to show all um, people in our community, the importance of literature, of health um, during that population and and I'm just proud of that. It, it wasn't necessarily within my department, but I thought that was really great that we were able to take something we were existing planning, work with Lynn County Public Health and expand that.
3: Uh, was the Raising a Reader program um, partnered with uh, ISU Extension and Outreach?
4: That one wasn't, that one was, we were working with uh, United Way on that and really getting the early childhood literacy, I think was the first component, but it just kept building that the pre-literacy or the um, pre-birth literacy was so important.
3: Yes. Um, We partnered with ISU Extension and Outreach for Raising a Reader. It's a program that they have and we're targeting children between the ages of two two and five and um you know providing books and um mentoring um so
4: good and that was i i think where we were going with it with this program which we'll do eventually but uh i know our programming manager who was taking the lead of it um something I didn't know as a man, but just how they have books to read for expecting mothers while you're pregnant that are Mm -hmm. um, shaped to work around the, it's something they're specially designed for expecting mothers um, and, and with the baby growing. So that was part of the, we were looking at ordering those types of books because it is important to start reading to your child before they're born. They hear your voice, build that relationship, um, and start to hear literature. So we were, that was what was so exciting about Lynn County public health. They really opened our eye to it. That pre-birth literacy is huge. Um, we were going to look at providing these kits to local doctor's offices, to hospitals, um, and, and we'll still do that, but I think the pandemic got in the way of getting things manufactured and really it, it took an impact on medical, the medical community. What It, it really hindered, um, to a point, those partnerships, but I, I would say that it, it's still a great Foundation that we can continue to expand on even beyond the grant period.
1: And one of the things that I love about this is I know that so often libraries are seen as a place to check out books. And so when you hear about these activities, I mean, libraries go well beyond. They are essentially community hubs, especially in rural communities. When I used to do outreach for a program at the health department, I had outreach coordinators across the state and I told them to reach out to their libraries, and a few of them didn't understand why. And I said, I guarantee you, especially in these small communities, the librarians know this This program I worked on was kids health insurance. And I said, these librarians are default the community social workers. And they know whose family's plant just closed down, who are probably losing their insurance. And you know they really are those, they can be those community hubs. And Cedar Rapids, I think just as a perfect example, and especially with their homeless population is also still yet a community hub. And so libraries are so much more than just checking out um, books. And we need to showcase those, um, those efforts um,
0: more. I think that is one of the reasons partnerships and collaborations are so important, because too often libraries are asked to take on work that we aren't aware of or haven't been trained to do. So having these strong partnerships can help bridge the gap in order to allow us to be that hub and the connector
1: we're so often in the background. People don't realize what public health does because when we're doing our work well, then you don't see us. We are, I mean, right now, obviously the pandemic changed that a little bit, but generally <laughs> we are not seen. And so when we build those partnerships, then um, it, um, what my I, it, it not accelerates, but rises up even the work that public health is doing in a more visible, positive way. So it really is a win-win for both organizations. And for the just, for the local communities also,
4: and it is. And just to echo that, like, uh, uh, so I, I, I now since I'm spearheading this, and I have a close contact at Lynn County Public Health, um, with the vaccinations coming out with COVID, they have just been inundated with calls. There's a lot of confusion because. Who's eligible to get a shot? Where can I get a shot? Is the shot safe? And really they do not, they're stretched to capacity. And so getting disseminating information out is not always the easiest and the public health is experts. And last, um, it was probably two weeks ago though, Cindy just reached out to me and said, we have been getting so many questions about this. We have this information about vaccinations, about the process. We're trying to get it out. Can we drop a couple of flyers off? And my immediate response was, we're doing our curbside pickup. Um, we have the bags. We'll take up to 5,000 flyers and, and really, We have them for people that come in, we have them at our self checkout stations, but it it was easy for us to say, this is important to our community. So now all of our staff just drop a flyer in the bag and, and who knows if 100% of those are being read, but we're getting the information out. That's important. Um, And so uh, Y'all can't see this, you hear it, but when I said that, I saw Angie like shaking her hands. Oh, I thinking, hey, love it, I that's love it awesome. so much, and,
1: yeah, that and, is.
4: And I think that goes to show the success of this partnership.
1: I agree, that is wonderful.
3: Um, a lot of the um, things that IDPH is putting out now is bilingual and um, the Latino Council uh, just sent a, a flyer, an electronic flyer out um, last week, and we both posted it on the library website, Facebook page, and Hispanics United for Perry Facebook page. So i um, trying to kind of point to, this is where you can find information that's relevant to you, that mm-hmm. um, this whole, where can I get a shot, um, is like, the conundrum of the community—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's like who's—who's who's got it? Where can I get on the list? You know, you know who's eligible. It's been—it's—you um, know—you don't have very many people clamoring for information all the time. The same specific piece of information, and to be that connector in the community is what we do.
1: Yeah, And even beyond um, COVID and the immunizations, I know Mary, you talked about diabetes. I mean, this relationship now on people, because I know people come to libraries and they, they use you guys as a reference resource to look up health needs. Yes. Um, and so libraries will help public health give the tools to the community, to um, um, the proper tools, the yes. reliable tools for people to be able to manage their health better. So.
3: I would agree with you. I have taken um some training uh from NNLM about Medline Plus and yeah. pointing people to um how shall you say really good information. Right. Because what <laughs> happens on. is when people look at look up things on the internet, it's interspersed with advertising. And if you don't have a discerning eye, you don't know whether it's an advertising for a commercial product or if it's the information.
0: Yeah. I'm curious, what were your relationships with your County health departments like before this project kicked off?
4: I think I'll start. uh, Okay. I don't think we, uh, I think it was an extent that we knew there was a Lynn County public health department and, There were times when we might collaborate between, but I really think uh, it's brought the two agencies much closer. Um, I I know I shared the example about the flyers, but when COVID first started and Lynn County Public Health was doing press releases, we were uh, a natural way for them to do their at first, it started daily, but then it moved to weekly um, press briefings. And we, just by working together, they knew we had resources in the library that could make that work. Um, we, uh, shortly before COVID, we were again on the grant. We planned a um, staff development that we gave to Lynn County Public Health because libraries general one of our one of the important things to us is information literacy Um, mary touched on this but making sure information that people get is reliable accurate and that's really one of our expertises one of our areas of expertise in the library so um it's funny it's we call it the crap test um to go through and evaluate information but Shortly before the pandemic, I uh, I went over to Lynn County Public Health and I gave that uh, workshop just proving or, or going through how to know what information is reliable, um, how to verify it, because we have become so reliant on the internet that uh, there are many people that you hear something in one news source and you think that's 100% true. Um, but really challenging public health, like how do you make sure the information you get out is accurate? It is seen as the reliable information. So I, I just think this continued to, it, this really brought together the two agencies really opened our doors to processes and really, um it, yeah the grant was important but uh, I think we've become a great area of support and we realize instead of working apart on our strengths how can we use each other to work together and and really support our community better
1: I just want to sh- just real quick it, when because Mary and Todd keep on talking about the grant the grant and I just do to give them a pat on the back we are talking about a fairly small grant both local communities are just receiving just over 20 grand to do this work and so this is a lot of work that is being done for a small amount of money I mean it's not I don't want to you know we are so happy and so grateful for Telogen to give us this opportunity. So I don't want to minimize the amount of money in the grant, but really when we talk about some of the other grants that we work with and work on, this one is, is not huge. And so there is a lot of work being done. And that again, is the magic of working with, you know, local um, community agencies and the, the amount of work they can get done for small amount of money.
0: I think that is true of small health departments and small libraries.
1: I
3: would say uh, likewise with the Perry Public Library and Dallas County um, Health Department. We knew of each other. We we had um, sporadically talked to each other. I knew about the assessment um, that the Health Department does um, because I had used some of the research and uh, statements of need for uh, grants. But um, I am happy to say that we are working um, toward the same goal right now. Um, And it's always um, fun to uh, have another colleague that um, I call Abigail all the time now. Um, And and I I, I like it when I have a source (laughs) that uh, can tell me, you know, what is the truth? (laughs) <laughs> tell me because uh, I have to refute it to all these people who come into the library and won't wear a mask. So, um, I just talked to Abigail, um, a couple weeks ago. And I said, this is my understanding that even though, if, even though you're vaccinated, you can still get it. You can still get COVID and you can still carry it. So we all need to wear our masks. And so, um, I feel grounded um, that um, I have that relationship now with a professional um, that can, you know, it's my source. Um, in many, many of my partnerships um, with the school, with the businesses in the community, um, it just enriches both of our um, missions uh, to serve the community that um, we Uh, collaborate together, and we get more done.
0: To give some background to listeners, Todd is with the Cedar Rapids Public Library, which is about three blocks away from the Lynn County Public Health Building, and Mary is with the Perry Public Library, which is a car ride away from the Dallas County Public Health Department.
1: And I think that brings up another really good point. Um, And there are some exceptions to this rule, but one of the things with this collaboration and consideration is that for the most part, health departments are countywide. We do have a couple exceptions in Iowa, but for the most part, and our funding is driven by generally county funding with some state and federal funding. And while libraries, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys, but are generally your township, your city um, governance. And so, Our health department could be working with multiple libraries and multiple libraries could be working then with one health department. Correct.
3: Most of our funding is local. um, And we do get state funds. um, And we do get um, grants
1: and donations. Great. Thank you.
4: And I'll say, because I, I think um, I was, It's really, I moved here from Phoenix. And so when you think about city and Cedar Rapids, to me, that's just a large town. Um, But in Iowa, Cedar Rapids is a major city, but there's several smaller communities in Iowa. And one of the things I think Mary and I, one of the things we really did that was effective is just talking about this. So we presented at the ILA, Iowa Library Association Conference. Um, we did one with the medical presentation, a, a medical conference, and someone will have to interject the name, but we did that a couple weeks ago. And one of the things we said is, regardless of the size of your town, um, or regardless if you have a public health department that, like Lynn County, since we're such a large county, we do have a lot of staff at our public health. One question we got was, well, our public health worker is only, maybe it has one person. It might be a, not even a full-time position. How do we collaborate with that? And really, um, we just said the important first step is to make that initial, uh, uh, make that initial connection. Uh, i I think it's fair to say everybody can be stretched to their own directions. Library staff can, public health staff can, especially during COVID, but really make that connection, see where you can, um, where you can work together mm-hmm. to bet, to better, uh, better provide resources and support to your community. That's that's the first step. And Angie, I appreciate what you said earlier, the 20,000 for Cedar Rapids, that's not, that's not the major part of our budget. Our our support service navigator position did cost more than that um, in in total. So uh, the money really did help us, um, but really the importance was that connection and and using your partnership resources to better provide access to the community.
1: And I would even maintain with our small departments, once those discussions happen, then they could help each other, reach each other's, again, their goals. So there's gonna be overlap. So I don't, if just by being creative, I think they can actually lessen some of the workload instead of creating more of the workload. That's what I would hope could happen um, through those conversations. Angie,
0: it seems like places with larger populations in Iowa may have an easier time collaborating, yet the smaller communities with less staff time and resources may realize more profound impacts as a result of these collaborations. Do you have any thoughts on this?
1: There are going to be advantages and disadvantages to a rural and urban. And I know I listened to one of your webinars earlier about what do we mean by rural and urban to Todd's point. And I know when I met with Mary that she doesn't consider herself real rural because they really are. Perry is the community hub of that community. Um, And so we just use those terms um, for the sake of the grant. But I love communities being able to define that themselves. So if if Mary doesn't want to consider herself rural, then we need to come up with another term for that. But um, to go back to your question, so in small communities, because I've lived in a very small community and now I'm in the biggest urban community in Iowa. And in small communities, you, um, you know each other. Again, going back to when I was talking about Hawkeye Outreach, small libraries, small public health are gonna know when certain companies close down, they're gonna know who's uninsured. Um, Our local public health received grant money to do outreach, outreach for numerous programs. I mean, they're always trying to think of creative ways to do these outreach and to reach their population. That is a focus. That is a priority of our local public health to reach communities outside their local public health office walls. And what better partner to do that than your local library? So that is just one example how in a rural community, it really not only the impact is significant, but those relate, your kids probably go to school with each other, right? Or your husband's work together, or you know those relationships are there frequently while in an urban setting, there may be more resources, there may be more programming, but those relationships sometimes are a little bit harder to, I would maintain, to establish.
3: I would agree with you, Angie. Um, Just last week, I had a gentleman come in who was evicted and he needed a place to stay. And I connected him to the health navigator system and be able to Um, I, he didn't have any, had very little computer skills and found out that you can only apply for apartments online. Mm
4: -hmm. You
3: no longer have a piece of paper to apply to rent an apartment. You have to do it online. You have to upload your paycheck. You have to upload. Um, It was, it was, um, you know, I was like, okay. Uh, take a picture, um, send it to my email, upload um, this document onto the computer. Uh, I mean, he had all the pieces of paper with him, but he couldn't apply for, um, to, for an apartment without computer skills. And so I, was re- I really feel there's a segment of our population that is being left behind.
1: And correct me if I'm wrong, libraries really have become kind of an IT hub for um, the communities and populations that may not have that at home. So that would be another way that the local libraries could actually help a local health department. And some of the programs that are eligibility criteria that the local library can help those individuals who do not have computers at home um, take advantage, and I I don't mean that word, but to... um, to use their computers to get the desired outcomes.
3: You're, you're correct. Um, it was fortunate that we were the only ones in the library, and I had him sit five feet away from me, and I was inputting the information. Um, but um, it's hard. It's very hard um, because uh, you know. And when I talked to Abigail about uh, hooking him up with uh, or or connecting him with the um, health navigators to actually find him a place to sleep, so.
1: Great job, Mary, and you made an impact, a significant impact on his life But by the time it, you sat there in the short amount of time to help him, so that is, again, strengthening your local community.
0: As this project comes to a close, how do you see a way forward in continuing the great work that started as a result of this project?
1: this funding is about to end. So we are always um, looking for ways that we can, you know, make the sustainable or even spread it statewide. We do have a collaboration with the state library now, established a relationship where we are venturing and how, you know, we have a local pilot doing it on the ground level, but it also helps when on a state level that we can offer tools and resources to help, even if the funding at this point is not available. So we're working with the state library right now to make various webinars and resources available through the state library down to the local libraries. So we hope with the outreach down on a local level and then on a state level that we can start to um, meet the needs that are in the middle. And one of the other things that Abby and I are working on from this grant is a toolkit that we hope to have um, Available and we will continue even after this grant is over to work on the toolkit to make it timely and useful, because right now we're really creating this off two pilots, Um, but to make it available to other libraries who could be interested in it. So we hope that even beyond these two pilots that this work will continue to grow um, beyond our our local community, those um, handful local communities. If I may,
3: um. The fresh fruit and vegetable recovery, Dallas County Public Health had an intern and she wrote a toolkit, um, how to implement it. Um, It has from the ground up, how to implement it. And you really have to be a certain size community to take advantage. You have to have a a grocery store in your community. So um, it has to be of a certain size, but Um, I was amazed at the amount of fruit and vegetables that we, um, channeled through the library to people. Um, and, um, it, it's, you know, it's that it would have been in a dumpster if it hadn't been used. That is the, um, good feeling inside you that you're actually, um, you know, lessening our, our, our. Our landfills and our trash, and putting it to good good use. Um, so I would say yes, um, that um, there are there is a toolkit out out there.
4: And I'll say we're <clears throat> uh, we'll continue our partnership. I, I think I've said this several times, and it's it's been shared, but. I think the important takeaway from us was really it's I don't want to say forced us, but it really put us in a great spot to make a better relationship with a community partner. And really the, the benefit is, is that better serves our community. So um, we'll maintain that partnership. We'll maintain the projects that we started. But uh, I guess my takeaway to anyone listening would be: it, it make that first step connection. It, it doesn't have to be a. It, it doesn't have to be a support service navigator position, like Cedar Rapids had, because every community has different needs. But it, if you make the time, make the connection. Uh, It's only gonna be bring good things to your library, to your communities.
3: I would um, concur with um, Todd that um, partnering uh, with anybody in your community um, showcases them and showcases you. And I've had such great um, results in partnering with the school, with the hospital, with businesses, um, and now with public health, um, I I partnered with Storywalk. I actually partnered with Public Works and the Parks and Rec Department, and it was a win for everybody because um, I I publicized it and I said we're working together to bring you something. Um, so it was. Um, You know, a video of them pouring the cement, a video of the Parks and Rec path. Um, So the more that you can bring into your partnerships and it it just celebrates all of us.
1: And the biggest winner out of all of it is the people who live in those communities. So that is, I mean, that, you know, gold star to you guys.
0: (laughs) That wraps up today's episode of Share Public Health and our mini-series highlighting the benefits of strong partnerships between public health departments and public libraries. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Share Public Health. Thank you to our host, Trish Hull, the Network of the National Libraries of Medicine, the Public Library Association, the Midwestern Public Health Training Center, and the Prevention Research Center for Rural Health. This project is supported by the National Library of Medicine of the National Institutes of Health under award number UG4LM012346. The content is solely the responsibility of the authors and does not necessarily represent the official views of the National Institutes of Health.